Welcome to the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. This is the place where high-achieving professionals come to gain confidence on how to successfully navigate their transition into and life during retirement. There's no such thing as a passive retirement plan. To have a successful financial future, your plan must be actively managed. Each week, we will bring you action plans and expert interviews that will help you gain insights, learn fresh perspectives, and finally experience peace of mind about your retirement. Here to help you achieve your dream retirement and live the life you deserve are your hosts, certified financial planners, Braden Stancil and Merce Tariq. All right, everyone, we welcome you to our show. We call it Retirement in Action. The real purpose of this show is to take ideas, concepts that Merce and I work with every single day when it comes to retirement planning and how do you put it into action. And a lot of the times what we're trying to do on this show is to maybe take an interview or a topic that we just heard and try to say, how, what, can, what points from that can we take and put into action? And the one that we're going to discuss now is the interview we did with Chess Griffin who's an estate planning attorney. And we really talked about a lot of different things when it comes to estate planning. And in particular, what a person might think about when it comes to estate planning in retirement. Always on these shows, we have our own Morgan Dunn, our chief operating officer for our firm. She listens to all of our shows and then comes in and ask some questions to get clarification and helps us to be able to think through a whole entire process. So Morgan, thank you for being with us on the show. And if you want to get us started. Yes, thank you. Chess had so much good information. I'm excited to kind of break that down and and see how we can apply it. One of the first things he talked about was the three-legged stool. Now, where would a financial advisor come into that three-legged stool? All right, that was a good one. I like that analogy too, but or the analogy of a stool. So let's just talk about what those three things were. First, there was a will. I remember whenever I was um, sitting for the uh, exam on the CFP for the being a certified financial planner, the one thing I got as a, from a coach was is that if their question ever is on that exam that says it, it anywhere, if it was an option that they don't have a will and do, should they get a will, don't read any more of the question. The answer is always they should have a will. That's how important it is. So I got all those. I think there was like two of those. But um, so a will, a durable power of attorney and then a healthcare power of attorney. Now, the one for us that is the most important that we find that we we really wanna make sure our clients have, and that is a durable power of attorney. Now, the reason why is because, and I used it, I think I asked this question to Chess, but I just wanna walk you through, an IRA, for example, which a majority of our clients have, an IRA is an individual retirement arrangement is what that's called. We think of it as an account, but that IRA is owned by an individual. So if I am married and I have an IRA and my wife has an IRA, we each are individual owners. Now we might name our spouse as the beneficiary, but we're the owner. So let's now say I become incapacitated. Whatever thing happens, I end up going to the hospital. I can't communicate. My wife needs some money from the IRA. And she calls up Merce and I and says, I need to get some money out of my husband's account. What do we have to say, Merce? We have to say that you can't. We have to ask some follow-up questions. And I think it's a good point. What Raiden just said is that she may be the beneficiary, but she, until she is the power of attorney, she really does not have any access to the money. Beneficiary gives you the money once 
that person has passed. But while they are living, it's really the owner that can actually act on the account. So without having that durable power of attorney in place, um, you really can't do anything. So we have to make sure that we have that in place, that it is a legitimate power of attorney, and then we can take instruction from that spouse. So for example, if, if, if the husband is in the hospital and she needs money, well, we can then send that money over to her to pay some bills or whatever it is because she has that power of attorney. Yeah. And the thing is, in our operations, uh, our, we're, we're held to compliance issues. So like a person can't just send us an email and say, send me money. We have to talk to the person, make sure that the person's the actual account holder. So we have to go through those verifications. So it's unfortunate because we certainly would hate to have to tell someone we can't send you the money knowing that they need it, knowing that that's the case. It's just we're held legally to a scenario that we could not do it. So we just believe having that power of attorney, we know that that is an essential part. So I always make sure you have a will, yes, but that power of attorney is absolutely essential if we're going to uh, need to have access to money under different uh, circumstances. And we don't want to add any more stress to that situation. Right. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Well, and, and talking about the IRA, he, he mentioned as far as beneficiaries or trust, why would the IRA ever go back to a person versus the trust? So that really comes down to uh, the, the whole story there, just to give a little bit of a backdrop to that. Before this year, 2020, you could actually inherit an IRA and then stretch the distributions over what they would call an inherited IRA over decades. So if I had an IRA, I could leave that to say a young beneficiary, child or grandchild, and then they could take minimum distributions over their lifetime. And so I needed to have a document in place that would manage those distributions so that it would make sure that those distributions went on for maybe 20, 30 years. And, and so I had to have a process for that. And I could, by the way, the younger the beneficiary, the better. So it was really important to have a document in place because if I could leave it to a 10-year-old, that, that was way better than leaving it to a 50 or 60-year-old because those distributions would last much longer. What we have now under new law is that the beneficiary of an IRA has to have all the money out within 10 years. We can't go beyond 10 years. So that changed all the rules. So what Chess was saying is that now, instead of having the complication of needing to have a trust be the beneficiary, we've a lot of clients, as long as they don't have extenuating circumstances, are going back to just listing their beneficiaries, individuals versus a trust. Now, let me just ask it, and then just so we can talk about this together. Merce, when we talk about the different types of beneficiaries, what would be the, the things people think through? Obviously, they got themselves and then what else can they list? Yeah. So obviously, or not obviously, but in most situations, when it comes to a beneficiary of an IRA, typically you're naming the spouse as your primary beneficiary. And then you have these things called contingents where you can add after the primary. So let's say the spouse is not, no longer there for some reason. Then you can do a contingent beneficiary where you add in, say, your, your children. And there's a couple of different ways to do that. There's this thing called per capita, where you're splitting the beneficiaries evenly. So let's say you have two kids and it's going to split it 50-50. If one of those kids is not around, then the other child gets 100% of that. So that's per capita. Another one that's really important that we use quite often is called per stirpes. Per stirpes, let's go back to those two contingent kids and let's say one of those is not around for some reason. Well, Persterpe says instead of giving it to 
the other child 100%. Let's keep that 50%, but let's go down their lineage to basically the, the grandchildren in that, in that family. So it keeps it in the same section of the family. So you've got per capita and then per stirpes. And then you can also add a trust if you would like as a beneficiary as well. So there's a lot of different things we have to think through there when we're talking about the beneficiary form. And it is a very important document. And also on that point, I just want to bring this out because we're kind of, it's, this is all around estate planning. This is, this is beneficiary designations, which Chess mentioned that. But what we will do, the reason why we want to have multiple layers of beneficiary. So go back to what Merce just said. We'd have, let's say a husband and wife, you normally would have the spouse as the primary, children as the contingents. We also encourage making sure that we have it listed so that the grandchildren are what are called tertiary or second contingents. And the reason why is let's say that I leave, I pass away and it goes to my child. They're the person who's inheriting the money. And let's say that they're a high income earner, which means when they take the money out of the IRA, they are going to be taxed at their tax rate. They can do what's called disclaiming and they can disclaim their part of the inheritance. They can do this after death. They disclaim it. It'll go down to the next person in line, which probably be their child the grandchild of the person who passed away and their income would likely be lower, which means when they take the money out of the IRA, they're going to be taxed at a much lower rate. So there's a huge tax advantage to thinking through all of these beneficiary designations, which are, is a part of estate planning. But I know we just went off into a little bit of a, of, of a sidebar there, but that's just really important to think all those things through. I hope that you are enjoying the show. By the way, if you are in or nearing retirement and are someone who wants to gain clarity on what questions you should be asking, learn what the biggest retirement myths are, and identify what you could be doing to achieve peace of mind for your retirement, get started today by requesting your complimentary video course, Four Steps to Secure Your Retirement. To access the course, simply visit pomwealth.net forward slash podcast. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in applying these principles to your life. So head over to pomwealth.net forward slash podcast and check us out. Right. And along the lines of thinking everything through and making sure things are clear, Chess also mentioned a, a letter to the family or a statement of intent. Is there something similar that we would do in regards to or a financial advisor would do uh, for their clients in regards to their retirement accounts? So on that, we talk about this a lot in our practice. Uh, Merce and I, every time we sit down with uh, someone, we talk about the fact that you need to have what we call a team approach where we're all working together and we work together with the different key advisors. We call that the, the financial advisor, the estate planning attorney, as well as the CPA for taxes. We believe all of those should be working together in a cohesive plan. So what we do, and this might be, you know, you could have another part of that team that kind of overlays it a little bit. But what we do is we want to make sure that there is a document that lays out where all those accounts are, are, are where they are located, their account numbers. Uh, so like, like, for example, is it in Fidelity? Is it in Charles Schwab? What's the account number? And then that way, if you get a, an executor in place, whenever they, they get that document, they don't have to go searching. They can actually know, okay, this is, is exactly where things are. Now, we, on top of that uh, document, 
we, for all of our clients, use a retirement planning software program. And can you just walk us through how those accounts are on that? It would also be just another layer of knowing where everything's at, Merce. Yeah, yeah. So the retirement planning software that we use, it's, it's a, there's a whole gambit to it. You know, we have a lot of values in there. We have budgeting tools in there as well. And we can ultimately see how someone's retirement is going to play out. But in order to do that, we have to know the entire financial picture. And so we know everything as far as how the assets are, where they are, the values. And, you know, when we work with someone, they actually get an entire printout of that. So a lot of times we would recommend, you know, and we also update this at a very regular basis too. So we would recommend that if you do have that, that list for your executor to add this in there. Uh, and it's a nice, clear, concise picture as to the entire situation. Yeah, I was thinking on that point, we just had somebody in and we were going through and we were updating their their document, like Merce said, we do every time somebody comes in. And they were like, well, I forgot about that account. And 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 it's just because we had, we had documented it quite a while back, but they had forgotten about that. We had another situation where a client, I was just on the uh, a Zoom meeting with them yesterday. And in that meeting, they said they had this, this plan. It was a stock option plan. And they said, but we don't, I don't know what I'm going to do with that yet, but I don't want to forget about it. We said, just, we're going to add it to the retirement plan. And we're just going to put a note there that it's a possibility that it's out there. And she goes, oh my goodness, that's just so nice. Cause now I know exactly where it's at. I won't forget it. I don't have to think about it. And it's always top of mind. So what's our next uh, point here? <laughs> yeah, we also talked about um, loaning money to a child or loaning money versus helping with a house or, you know, how to, how to leave that what advice or, or what part would a financial advisor play in helping someone with that? Well, I think that one's a really big one for how we would do that in the retirement income plan. So mm-hmm. Merce, can you handle how we would do that? Yeah. So ultimately, we have to decide if that is really something that is financially doable. And so we run that through. We say, you know, what's, how much are you planning on helping out? Are you planning on doing a $50,000 down payment or $100,000 gift or whatever it is? The first step is to decide, well, is this actually doable? And in a previous episode, we talked a little bit about this as well. And there are some tax implications that we want to think through as well. So where are we going to take the money from? What's the best place to take it from? And then obviously what Chess talked about in the last episode is what's the best way to do it as far as do we just give it to them and write them a check or do we uh, create a promissory note or something like that that's going to relieve some of the issues down the road. So the first step is figuring out, is it possible? And we do that through the retirement income plan. And then we help quarterback the rest of that process from a tax perspective, as well as uh, the best way to structure that whole, the whole deal. Yeah. On the flip side of that, we also talked about disinheriting a child or a beneficiary how would you guys come into play or how would a financial advisor help you to do that? Well, again, we're a part of the process. Uh, Many times, whenever things are going to be inherited, whether there's beneficiary designations or whatever it may be. So obviously we need to know what the wishes of the, of the, person is and how, who they want it left to. Cause 99% of the time it's us that's walking through that beneficiary designation. It's, just, it's not an attorney that's filling out the, the beneficiaries. We're doing that with the client 
And we want to make sure uh, we've had it happen before where somebody comes in and they say, I've decided that I don't want to, this, this child doesn't need the money or I don't want to leave money to this child. And they forgot that we've got them listed on two or three other accounts. And so we just have to, by us knowing what their wishes are and us having it documented for the client mm-hmm. and they're able to know exactly what's going on. In fact, in that document we talked about where you know all of the different accounts, then in that document, you can, we can list exactly who the beneficiaries are. So in a snapshot, in all essence, you're able to see the account where it's located, account number, who the beneficiaries are, what their percentages are to those accounts, just makes it super clear so we don't lose track because you can lose track when, you're, when we got multiple accounts. Yeah, and I'd also like to add uh, and stress the importance of having the beneficiary set up as well as the, the beneficiary form itself. You know, sometimes people feel like it's a lot to change the beneficiary. Or, you know, I made this decision that I want to adjust a percentage and maybe a child gets, one child gets more, one child gets less, or there's multiple different scenarios. Really what it comes down to is a signature on a form. And a lot of times it feels like it's way more than that. And we don't want to avoid basically putting a decision, decision into action, which is actually that signature. So, you know, you can't just tell somebody that I want to adjust my beneficiary. It has to be documented on the form. And I guess finally, when in the financial planning process would the estate planning attorney come into play? So we like to make sure that we're talking about that really step one. We want to know, do you have an estate planning attorney? What documents do you have in place already? So that we we believe that that is essential to the overall retirement plan. So we want that information to be known right up front. So if the person comes in and they're talking to us or their their financial advisor and that topic is not a part of it, then there's a lot of things there that could be missing. So bring it up right in the very beginning of the meeting, of the first meeting rather, so that we know, do we have a funny, you know, that's a question we have. Do we have a, a will? Do we have a power of attorney? Do we have a healthcare power of attorney? And if we don't, we want that to be an action item that we 100% are going to try to get accomplished sooner than later. And so we work along with the estate planning attorney to make sure that that gets done in a very, very timely manner. So we believe immediately that's where it should go. And we want to document that so we know exactly who they are and that we're a part of the process. So uh, we, uh, we had a lot of questions. We had a lot of different things that uh, we, we obviously could deal with when it comes to estate planning. But overall, I think the biggest thing I want to make sure that the takeaway is, is that all of this needs to be in a place that's first of all, documented, that we know where things are, that it's easy to find and that it's being communicated not only with one element of your overall plan, but that your estate planning attorney, your your financial advisor, and your CPA should all be working together. Because if those things are not connected, you're not going to have a very sound retirement plan. It's There's something there that's going to be disconnected. So we hope this was beneficial. We hope that we were able to answer some questions that you might have. Uh, but thank you very much. Thank you, Morgan. Thank you, Merce. We uh, appreciate all of us being able to work together and answer some of these complicated questions. All right, everyone, that wraps up today's episode of the Secure Your Retirement podcast. If you found value in today's episode, we would love nothing more than for you to head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review. Be sure to take a screenshot of the review before you submit it, and we'll send you a special gift. Our book, Get Off the Retirement Roller Coaster. Just email morgan at pomwealth.net with a screenshot of the review to get your gift. Also, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes as they're released every week. And finally, please share our podcast with your favorite social network 
so more of your friends and family can benefit from this information. Always remember, you've worked hard to get where you are, and now you deserve to have a retirement that works hard for you.